Okay. Is I'm just going to go ahead and hit record, and then I'm not going to, because a lot of times when people come over, as soon as we're done and you leave, then I come back and I record the intro, or I record, right, you know, right. and then that little call to action at the end where I say, come see me on Facebook, guys. <laughs> um, but today, my guest is Gary Youngling, and it is absolutely an honor to have you back because you were the first interview <laughs> yeah. I ever did for the podcast, so you helped me get this behemoth off the ground and moving. I have been absolutely impressed with, ah. uh, with what uh, this has evolved yeah, from. Thank you. And uh, again, I have to mention, a third of my tongue is gone, so you know, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not drunk yet, even though the Manhattan, uh, the, uh, old fashioned. the old fashioned looks good. <laughs> I did anyway. pour us some old fashions, but yeah, we, we just barely even took a couple of <laughs> sips. He just, um, and I well, think... Well, you know, it's 10.35 in the morning, so it's just... Sun, You're not you supposed know. to say that. Sun's over the no, yard. No, it's, it's 5 p.m. Yeah, yeah, the sun's <laughs> over the yard arm somewhere. Right? So. Yeah, um, and I think I talked about this a little bit in, in your very first interview, was that... Um, you know, having you come on the show, while it was something that I had already wanted prior to understanding sure. or learning that you were, had this bout with, with, was it throat or tongue cancer? It was tongue cancer. Right. And you said, you know what, this sounds interesting and I'd, I'd love to do it. However, I've got to get this taken care of. And then I don't know how it's going to affect my speech. Right. But I, when I woke up in the hospital, I had no idea if I'd even have a tongue. Yeah. So that's how, uh, but that was back in 19. 2019. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, it's been a while, and I, uh, I'm fine except there's certain words like water, you know. <laughs> and uh, well, so. and I think I told Dan Lewis at the second annual choir practice meet and mm-hmm. greet. I said he's good. I enjoyed. That. He just sounds like that. He's not intoxicated. <laughs> It's just because he had part of his tongue cut out. For, yeah. So uh, yeah, for anybody that's listening to this episode, um, now you know. Yeah. I didn't and, get him sauced before we got started. No, and, and I can't say I haven't been, but uh, I'm fine now. So. <laughs> and I can drive back. That's good. So well, I'm and that's the thing, day. too, is that I love to share a drink with my guests. I just need to make sure that you don't have to Uber a, out of a here. Drink. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, Uber from the middle of Colburn Broadway is a lot of money, even though it's not that bad. But. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to be back here. Um, I have to say one thing on the onset to, sure. to let people know. I apologize if I if I let Lucy up word. Um, <laughs> I find that I'm doing the best I can, yeah. but the older I get, the less I seem to be successful at yeah. it. Uh, less and less filter. So, yeah, and nah. and also if I if I repeat myself from the first uh, first interview, it's been a while. I, I listened to it again. Um, I don't know a couple couple weeks ago, and yeah. I think I tried to avoid that, yeah. but. <clears throat> but again, I don't automatically assume that everyone who's listening now sure. listened back then or went back and listened to all the episodes they never heard before. And so when I had Dan Lewis on a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I don't know if we said, if we already talked about this or not. I'm like, sure. but it's been over a year since you've been here. So it doesn't really matter. And for right. some people, it will be the first time they've heard it. It's been so. two, two years this month. Yeah. Wow. Oh, one. I mean, 21. Yeah. 2021. Wow. So it's uh, that's you know. insane. Yeah. So it's been two years, and uh, I, I love what you've done to the place. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've changed a couple of things up. Um, I like I've said when I had Mark Napier over, I had changed to this setup, and it made right. me nervous, man, because I thought I was going to have a lot of echo. I liked the protection of using those milk crates with the microphones, sure. just for a little bit of extra sound um, de- uh, dampening. And um, after his episode, 
it, it turned out really, really well. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay. This is what we're going to do now. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you're back. Um, Me too. and, uh, as I said before I hit record, I don't, I don't know what we're going to start with, but you brought over some notes. And, well, uh, you know, I, I actually took notes this time because last time we just were off the <laughs> Winging cuff. it. We, yeah, and we got on a theme. two and a half hours. It was amazing. Yeah, we got on a theme about um, responding to DOAs for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was always a Sunday morning, you know. <laughs> always a beautiful day. Uh, Somebody's and dead. You were sharing sharing DRT. a little bit of a little bit of uh, like NFL history, uh, all kinds of stuff in that first episode. You're like, oh, was everybody? Yeah, uh, we talked. Yeah. yeah, was it? Is it Don Jorgensen? What was the guy's name? The quarterback? Oh, Sonny Jorgensen. Sonny yeah. Jorgensen. Yeah. See. Yeah. See. Sonny Jorgensen. Sam time. Huff. Uh, Billy Kilmore. Those were the old uh, hogs. They called them the Redskins. Uh-huh. And uh, I got to know Sonny fairly well. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm from different circumstances. But anyway, no, nice guy, great guy. Yeah. Uh, all of us getting older. I mean, really older. It's terrible. But it's, uh, it's uh, that's life, buddy. Beats the alternative. And you and I and most every cop and firefighter and first responder out there knows that uh, you know, we, we appreciate life. Yeah. Uh, we really do. And appreciate good days and peace. Because it can end just like that. So yeah, and um, you know, I guess I didn't realize that when you and I spoke last time on the show that you were already seventy. I didn't, you know, because I mean, <laughs> Chris Gallios. Did you meet him at the meet and greet? He's yeah. a San Jose guy. He's just turned seventy six. Didn't and, look it. And he, I know he's in. And like, I don't think I don't look it either. But uh, you know, <laughs> he, I'm working out. No, all you the look time like you're seventy six. Oh, no, I'm yeah, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is. I, I, it's a lifetime of uh, working out and stuff, even though you abuse yourself. It's yeah. a lifetime of working out. It makes a big difference, man. Yeah. And uh, he still asks me every once in a while, after I'll do a couple more interviews, he'll say, am I still your oldest guest? Yeah, yeah Chris. Still is. Yeah, you're still the oldest one. Yeah. For forever in my life, I was always the youngest guy in the room. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. I'm always trying to be that one or two years older, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, oh, shit. <laughs> That's how I started with DOC. Yeah. I was 21, and I think I shaved once a week. Sure. <laughs> and sure. I was the youngest guy in the room. Yeah. And then it was pretty similar when I became a, a sheriff deputy at 23. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, no, not so much. But I know. That's I, right. It hey, happens. listen, um, my son is two years older than you are, okay. so how do you think I feel now? No. <laughs> well, but my mom, uh, she would tell me that because they were out here for my birthday, and she says, if you guys would stop getting older... You'd quit making us get older. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I used to have a joke. I'd say to my, I, when people say, what your son is? And I said, well, you know, he was four years old when he was born. He was a, <laughs> he was a test tube baby. Oh, yeah. my And then, then I said, then I would say, he wouldn't drink a lot of milk, but he ate up a hell of a lot of Windex. <laughs> and he always would look at me and go, Dad, God damn, you know. But anyway, what now he's, he's a captain on D.C. Fire Department, yeah. um, Metropolitan Washington, D.C., and doing well. And uh, just I'm proud as heck of him and my grandson. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's cook. Let's see yeah, what's Yeah, let's happening. do it. So um, you actually had the, the um, advantage of actually getting to see the prompts this time. Yeah. And yeah, so um yeah, there there were prompts this time. Yeah. You know, and I was just talking to Tanya last night. Um with the prompts, I used to hit them like point by point. And then what I was finding is that as I was getting more and more used to this mm-hmm. and as people were coming over, 
if we just sat down and had a conversation and started walking people through their careers, one leads to another. Organically, they would hit those points, and I didn't have to necessarily go and say, "Tell me about the saddest thing you've ever seen." Right. Tell me about the funniest thing you've ever seen. You know, it, they just kind of organically happened, and uh, and just like you had said when you were here, he's like, you said, uh, "Man." You made me remember some things that I didn't even plan on talking about when I was headed over here. Yeah. And that is the beauty of choir practice. That is the beauty of sitting down with like-minded folks. And when somebody tells a story, it reminds you of a memory, and then it just starts rolling. You know? Well, you know, and that's, uh, that's the beauty of listening to your episodes. Yes. Because I, <laughs> I listen to all of them. And I'll tell you why I listen to them, because I put them on when I'm on the treadmill at uh, mm-hmm. LA Fitness. Mm-hmm. And I do 35 minutes at uh, level 6.5 at 3.5 uh, oh. every day or four days a week. Yeah. And then I start lifting. Yeah. Well, while I'm doing that, I'm listening to the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, it, and Probably people wondering why you're over there laughing. I'm laughing my ass off sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I listen to guys like, uh, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Somerville? Summerfield. Summerfield, yeah. yes. I mean, the, the guy's got to be a, a amazing and running down and flip-flops and crap like that. Yeah. But, I mean, I do. I laugh because I can picture these <laughs> things. Oh, yeah. Um, we've all been in those or similar circumstances. Yeah. Um, uh, sadly or not, it's it's part of the job. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did. And, and you know, uh, and I tell people, I say, hey, here's the prompts, but... Look at the list of yeah. guests. Yeah. You're probably going to recognize a couple of names for folks that are local. You'll probably recognize a couple of names and then just take a listen because I feel like the prompts are pretty good. You know, right. they'll, they'll get your wheels turning and, and get you kind of started. However, you listen to an episode where somebody is just on a roll. Oh, my God. And, and it helps you remember a lot of the stuff that you were a part of that well, you just forgot. Yeah, and it, when we got together, it was nice getting up with uh, with Sally and, and Gator and, uh, you know, yeah. us. Uh, it was, uh, you know, because, uh, I mean, it's just uh, interesting yeah. to put names and faces to, you know, like a Beetle. Uh, I've known Sean for years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, here's what happened. How did you meet Sean? Well, here's what happened. We have a, we used to have breakfast with the boys. We still do. Yeah. Wednesdays in Cortero. And it used to be at the IHOP. It's now at the IHOP. Uh-huh. But it used to be at the, uh, uh, what's the other one across the street? Crack. Closed down. Oh, not the Cracker Barrel. No, no. But it, anyway, um, but uh, we, uh, we'd we gather and we had uh, several, um, we, oh my gosh, uh, still do. I still have breakfast with uh, Jim Stoutmeyer yeah. on Wednesdays. Uh, Doug Miravold with Pima County, retired. Uh, Rick Sturgeon. Um, let's see. Sean, uh, when he shows up. Okay, so, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, and you have uh, just uh, just just a, a group of guys. So yeah. what happened and what has evolved from there was, uh, and from this podcast, I was through Jim and a few other people invited to uh, to Sue's monthly thing at uh, get together with TPD at uh, mm. the having lunch at uh, uh, Trident. Uh-huh. And uh, even though I was usually at the bar when they happened to have that, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, it, it's been amazing. And I have to, to tell you, uh, Brian and TPD and the Pima County Sheriffs, uh, what a great honor it was and is to be uh, accepted like I've been. Yeah. Just, uh, it's, it's a brotherhood, sisterhood. Yeah. It's a fraternal and uh, it's a fraternity and sorority. It's uh, it's a it's everything that that 
cops should be. Right. And the fact that I had a first cousin, have a first cousin, Roland Youngling with, uh, with uh-huh. Pima County. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that helped a little bit too. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. But still, it's uh, it, it's been pl- a pleasure, and I've enjoyed and and become friends with many, many retired uh, TBD and uh, and Pima County guys. I was telling you, I took a couple of days and off, gals. and I've I've packed those days with interviews so I can get ahead for the holidays. But right. Jason Rockwell was over yesterday, and um, Jason and I met each other on two different occasions. Once mm-hmm. it was a work situation, and I. I introduced myself to him. He introduced himself to me, whatever. And we're like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm Sergeant, he was Sergeant Rockwell. I'm Lieutenant Parker, whatever. And then the only other time that I think I ever saw Jason and had any kind of conversation with him was actually at the birthday party for the guy who's the chief out at the airport. That's cool. He had invited us both. We're both friends of his, you know. Right. And we sat there probably, you know, an hour or so, just kind of cho- chopping yeah. it up, you know. And so he came over yesterday and uh, and we put in a we put in a full day's work, and had only ever just met each other the two previous times. And amazing, but, yes. Like you said, it is. It's like a fraternity, a sorority, and because of shared similar experience, exactly. You uh, can understand one another. It's easy to to become part of that. And even Tom Holtz had talked about it, that in his interviews. He's right. like, man, I was kind of a loner as a kid. I wasn't really into sports. Didn't really do much. And then I decided to get into this, and I was immediately accepted. Mm-hmm. And this became my my friend group. This was this was the people that I was going to hang out with. Sure. And uh, and so yeah, it's not. I would say it's not necessarily an easy group to get into. But if you're in, you're in. You know, <clears throat> so. if you've been there, you've been there. And right. That's, and you know, you can see BS a mile away. Oh, we can. Oh, yeah, we can yeah. smell it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah. I can tell you, uh, yeah, these guys are great. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what I I went through, yes, sir. And, uh, first thing is, uh, tell me about your childhood, uh, growing up and stuff. Yeah, and why you selected? Yeah, you know, I, I don't remember. I rem- I was a military brat, uh, Air Force, uh, Germany between the ages of four and six, France between the ages of six and nine. So you know, you uh, sent me a picture of you, and was it your brother? Uh, a picture of me and was that and you're standing there holding a revolver oh that was uh yeah that was me at four years old in the back of my grandparents house in anacostia washington dc southeast which has come back around but at one time went from a very nice neighborhood to a very bad neighborhood Mm. now it's come back around but anyway uh, that was, what, 67, 60 years so. Anyway, by the yeah. way, <laughs> I was... Uh, like, huh, I wonder why I became a cop. And yeah. you stand there holding a little revolver. Yeah, I was four <laughs> years old uh, holding a gun, you yeah, know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, several pictures of me always had a gun in my hand. So <clears throat> in those days, it was. You you had that. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I went from uh, Germany to France to Limestone, Maine, uh, Loring Air Force Base mm-hmm. uh, at 10 years old, 9 to 10. Then uh, back to and into Virginia, uh, where I went through all the way through high school. Right. Um, moved briefly to Jackson, Mississippi, where I was there for about why about a, well, my stepfather was from Mississippi. Okay. So what he decided to do is, in the middle of my senior year of high school, he thinks it's time to move to Mississippi. Well, mm. you know, it's, you don't do that. Right. So I left home at 17. Oh. Came back up to Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. managed to lie and convince <laughs> all the guidance people and all the high school people to give me a sealed packet of my records because my parents were moving. 
Uh-huh. I left Mississippi with the with the blessings of the high school, all sealed up, and walked right into my old high school. Presented it all, got a guy that was twenty one years old to uh, at working at a gas station to say that he'd be my guardian, oh my just to gosh. sign the papers. And I put myself through uh, my last year of high school, mm-hmm. uh, four years of college, and two master's degrees from George Mason over, over Where time. Where did you stay? Well, <clears throat> you learn how to do that when you're 17 years old. I stayed with friends. Yeah. Uh, and my and friends took... Sorry, almost dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, friends took... Uh, their parents were nice. Uh, they uh. let me stay. I would, uh, in fact... I, um, I ended up staying with my buddy Butch. Mm-hmm. Now, Butch Bryant ended up being my, he was my best friend. Mm-hmm. He came out here and was the host of NPR in Tucson on Saturday mornings for 20 years. Oh, uh. He worked for Raytheon, retired. Okay. And now he's moved to uh, um, Montana with his wife. But still, the long story short is uh, I, I came out here. Uh, at his behest, but mm-hmm. it's it's a long story. My uh, I didn't meet my father and my father's side of my family again until I was thirty eight years old, mm-hmm. and that's a long story in and of itself. I won't get into it because it's not so, police r- related. But, yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but it's you're... how I became familiar with Tucson and okay. ended up landing out here. So, but you're just kind of couch surfing, and uh, I guess you graduate from high school, right? All right, and then then what do you do? I went to, uh, uh, I, I joined the, uh, I, I, well, I, I went to high school, got married at, at 19, Oof. believe it or not. Yeah, but back then, it wasn't unusual. Right. Uh, my my first ex-wife was not pregnant. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> She I was had, not pregnant. She was not pregnant. <laughs> if, this funny. was not a shotgun need to wedding. <laughs> this was just, we were going to do it, and the parents said, hey, if you're going to do it, get married. And that's the way it, you know, that's uh, the way it was. That's the way it was. Right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the best thing that ever came out of that marriage was my son. Yeah. So, uh, and that's a great thing. Which is why you're 70 and he's 50. That's right. That's exactly yeah, right. Because you were 19 when you got married. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 72 and he's 51. So, yeah, yeah that's right. Wow. Yeah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that's the way those things work. And what were you doing at 19? At 19, I had been, uh, well, I forced, I, I had I managed a, uh, a gas station. Okay. I was managing it, mm-hmm. uh, working the midnights. Uh, for Bud's American Gas Station in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, hmm. I had my uh, I had gone into and became uh, accepted into uh, the Virginia Community College system. Mm-hmm. So I was taking uh, police science. Okay, um, and I continued doing that. At the same time, and why did you pick police science? Do we do we talk about? I that? I you know I. Like I said, I always wanted to be either a cop or a jet pilot. Oh, that's right. Yes. So I figured I got half of them done. Right. So right. Uh, and at the same time, I uh, I joined. Uh, I applied to the CIA, which is right there in, in uh, Fairfax. Yeah. And uh, by golly, a year later, I was accepted at twenty years old mm-hmm. uh, as a lock and safe technician with CIA. That's right. And I had my all the clearances and everything else. That's where I learned the. Uh, the process of uh, uh, a GS nine 
was a Ph.D. I just started community college. I was a five. And yeah. I'm going, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a lot of, eh, it's not going to work for me. But anyway, I, yeah. I did that I, uh, for two years, two and a half years, mm-hmm. and uh, put in for the U.S. Park Police and then Fairfax County Police, mm-hmm. uh, actually at the same time. Okay. Fairfax came through first. Uh, U.S. Park came through second. I was already on my way with Fairfax. I think no regrets. No regrets. Yeah, I think that's two different careers, honestly. Oh, it is. I don't think you would have gotten near the experience had you gone to Park. I would not have. Right. And uh, I can tell. I can tell you, I would not have. Right. Because you know, Fairfax, Jellystone, is, Jellystone Park with the bears stealing picnic baskets. Picnic mm-hmm. baskets. Yeah. Picnic. <laughs> yeah. Hey, boo boo. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's yeah. It 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 was all of these things that's happened in my life. I can mm-hmm. look back now and say, great. Yeah. You know, I have no regrets. At yeah. the time, of course, I did for certain things. Yeah. But. Uh, no, it was really good. So I, I go with Fairfax, uh, get involved in the shooting three weeks into the you know my career. Practically. Yeah, we, talked, was, we about talked about that. that. Yeah. yeah, I have to stay away from it, but uh, yeah. only because uh, one of the people that were with me mm-hmm. at the time, uh, his son is now currently with the department. And I don't want to be talking trash yeah. or anything about yeah. it. But uh, no, it was good. No, that's uh, good. And I did a little bit of artistic editing for you yes, in that one. You did um, what yeah. you what you did express though, and I'll just give like a Reader's Digest is um, guys breaking into a, a store or something at night. You guys get there. He Gas smacks station. you. Yeah, yeah, smacks you with a tire iron, mm-hmm. and you end up shooting him. And then it led to a whole bunch of. Uh, like litigation, <clears throat> consternation. And you were on the desk, and yeah. you didn't know if you were going to have a job. And right. you were there in your um, butterfly tuxedo, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the frills and the no, yeah. uh, and the bell bottoms. And ultimately, yeah. the judge said, "This is a bunch of nonsense." Right. Uh, you know, that was it. You're yeah. out of here. And then from that point on, you were <clears throat> not golden, but actually, I, it it really helped. It did it. Right. I was golden because. Um, there for almost a year, I was treated like uh, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, because people didn't know. Like, man, is this guy? Uh, was he just uh, a nervous Nelly, and that's why he shot this dude, yeah. or was he righteous? And then when it came, when the information came out that it was a righteous shooting, and that yeah. you had done everything correctly, then um, then you had like street cred basically at that point, and everybody's like, "Oh no, he's solid. He's good to go." And, and that was uh, it was pretty amazing, but it was kind of traumatic at the time. I thought oh, I was yeah. going to lose my job, my house. I, my son had been born, you know. And it right. was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Um, and you but, touched on this, and even Jason touched on it yesterday. Is that if you're on duty and you end up taking someone's life, or or even just shooting them and causing you know significant injury? You can guarantee that you're going to be sued, but then there's typically a federal lawsuit for violation of civil rights. Civil rights. Yeah, and FB1 was not our friend at that time. Uh, So, pardon me. So, uh, anyway, that was done. Uh, Went through that. uh, And uh, as I muddled through that. um, But uh, that was the beginning of a great career. And it, it actually gave me perspective on... Things that are important. I didn't kill the guy. Yeah. I ended up buying dope from him later. Yeah, you told me that. About 14, 15 years later. I yeah. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> put him away a second time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so that was that. Now, so just, Fairfax just happened to be the first one to call you. Right. And it was yeah. the best thing that ever happened. Coincidentally, today, I volunteer with the Santa Catalina Volunteer Patrol with the Uniform Forest Service 
guys out there helping with uh, we don't help with search and rescue because yeah. Sarah does all that. Right. <clears throat> but uh, we we're the you know we're the friendly face of the Forest Service. You need help. You got extra water? Where are you doing? You know where are you going? Yeah, and just all the good stuff. Plus, I was put in charge of coordinating the mountain lion and the bighorn sheep. Uh, so I was in touch with the uh, and stay in touch with uh, was actually with the wildlife biologist. Uh, mm-hmm. Here in uh, in Pima County, oh, actually, it does. That sounds Canyon. like that was on a that that little <clears throat> phrase you said sounds like it was on a trifold pamphlet. We're the friendly face of the forest. Yeah, service. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ambassadors. From, you know. <laughs> oh, <I> guess. <laughs> and uh, even though uh, you know you, 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 your dog isn't allowed here, you know, you, oh, you know, you get all kind of pushback. Yeah. But uh, whereas before in my other life. I would have said something else. Yeah. I say, thank you very much. You know, have a nice day. Yeah. And as I do, I go out thinking, you son of a bitch. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. we're, we're, we're nice. Uh, but uh, How many of you are, are the, in this? It's like 250. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and uh, active is like 150. But uh, okay. we, we, we're, I mean, we contribute at $37.80 an hour. Mm-hmm. Our valued time, and we contributed almost seven hundred thousand hours last wow. year. So I mean, we we because yeah. if you surf. weren't doing that, what you're saying is they would have to pay somebody to do what or, you're doing, for or them. it wouldn't be done, or it wouldn't be done. Yeah, yeah. So we we take care of that. Yeah. So let's see. Let me get back on PD stuff. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see. I was in patrol for three years. I went to tax squad, which is old clothes, for two years. Mm-hmm. Tested. Uh, we even had we had major tests back then for detective. Yeah. Tested for detective. Went into CID, which is Criminal Investigations Division. Right. Uh, then went into Vice Narcotics. It was a natural flow from being old clothes, couple day old beard, scuffy. Right. But the tax squad was an actual. It wasn't buying dope. I mean, mm-hmm. tax squad. We were out there. When we'd get a, a a tone call, like a robbery or a burglary or something in progress, and we got a lot, we had a lot of them. You got to remember, right. Fairfax County is a nice county, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it borders Washington D.C. and Route Which is One. Nicer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it borders Washington D.C. and Route One goes cuts right through. And Alexandria, Virginia, is part of Fairfax. Mm-hmm. Alexandria City is a little enclave, but. Uh, it goes all the way through to uh, Prince William County, mm-hmm. which is down at uh, the, the, uh, the Potomac River and the Absco River, uh, Occoquan River. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying is it's a big county. It's only, it's not nothing like Pima County. It's only 500 square miles or yeah. less. Yeah. But we have like a population back then of like uh, 2 million horizontal and 5 million vertical, vertical during the day because all of it's it's all the high rise. Yeah, you're talking Reston, Falls Church, Herndon, um, Vienna, um, mm. you know, Mount Vernon, Dulles Airport. Half of that's one county, mm. which is Loudoun. The other half is, is Dulles. Uh, I mean, it's Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I mean, we it's it's a it's busy. Yeah. It's the Virginia Beltway mm-hmm. of of DC, yeah. uh, essentially. So anyway, it, we you know we had we had our share of business. So anyway, so I went to from uh, from tax squad to vice narcotics organized crime. Now that was a neat thing because you had to learn a lot. We even had a lieutenant from La Cosa Nostra that lived in Fairfax. I remember knocking on his door with and saying, "Hey, we know you're here." 
and you'd wow. say, hey, you know, nothing in my own backyard. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we had, I mean, seriously, I mean, you're talking Stratford Landing, which is, I'm talking on the Potomac, I'm talking, today they would probably be five, six million dollar homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then it was still, you know, it was still equivalent, so. Right. But uh, anyway, uh, then I went from there to DEA, to the PCP Clandestine Laboratory Task Force, where mm-hmm. I was sworn in as a federal marshal, and a U.S. marshal, and uh, did that for a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved from there to uh, good grief. Uh, came back, yeah. Came back, promoted to MPO with Master Police Officer. You guys have a different designation. I forgot what it was. F something. Uh, uh, I don't. Know. So but we anyway, have like a, a corporal or a lead police officer is what we have. Yeah, that's that's what this is. Yeah. And, and they uh, typically have two stripes, and sergeant <laughs> has three stripes. Yeah, we had a stripe and a and a diamond. And, okay, uh, and that was that. And that we, sounds very Confederate. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> A stripe and a diamond. That's a no, <laughs> Virginia used to be the capital of the South. There no, you go. No, don't, don't go there. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, did that. Uh, did some organized crime. Did uh, did crime analysis mm-hmm. for a while. It was interesting how that happened. I was in the middle of my. Uh, I was in the middle of uh, my second and last divorce. Mm. And uh, my my lieutenant was uh, I was I was on the street back on the street because every time you get right and I loved the street I really did yeah especially after having vice narcotics you know yeah. but I I enjoyed the street uh, because I was well one I had nothing to prove to anybody right as opposed to being a young rookie right two I had the respect and everything else of the young rook of the the young guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, I was pretty much in charge of the whole squad. Yeah. And my job was literally to hold them back. Yeah. I had a squad of meeting unbelievable guys. That's, and, a, that's uh, good. That's and always it, fun. It's always fun. And right. I loved Midnight Shift. Uh, but we had revolving shifts. And this is where our bodies get torn up as opposed to you guys. We would work seven days straight, Ooh. four ten, three off. Seven days straight, four ten, different shift, three off. Seven days straight, four ten, different shift. They work four off. So we were doing that. I did that for fourteen years. Ugh. And talk about your guts and everything else being. But anyway, that's the way yeah. it was. I don't know if it's that way now. Yeah. Um, I, TPD used to be like that. I have some of some of my yeah. guests will come over, and they had to. It was a mandatory shift change every quarter. So you go from midnights to days to swings to midnight, and it went like that well, for that's, years. That's what we did weekly, yeah. weekly. Ugh. So it was every day g- grabbing your calendar, seeing where you're going to be, whether you could be there at Christmas or there at the mm. birthday or there. At the, so it was. I don't understand what the benefit <clears throat> or why they thought that was. Well, I can tell you there wasn't much. Because it, <laughs> Yeah. You know, hindsight I, being twenty fifteen, I can tell I, you there was not. <laughs> I may I may look seventy two. Uh, I may look fifty five. Oh, there we go. But there I'm seventy two yeah, on yeah. the outside, but on the inside, I'm like four hundred and six. Yeah. Oh, it's like dog years. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I jokingly said my three and a half years of internal affairs was like dog years. But uh, every place I was, I had a great time. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think I managed to make that happen. I think it's your attitude. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, my life started. And that's part of what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Is life after retirement, because I'm so sick and tired of seeing all these cops committing suicide yeah. and everything else. They have nothing less. I had lunch yesterday with a guy. 
that retired, along with Paul Diesel and and uh, Doug, but mm-hmm. this this other person retired. He's the most miserable person in the world. He retired from Wisconsin Police Department. I mean, uh, okay, fine, but uh, a- anyway, uh, he is miserable, and uh, it's like he, I, I don't know. So at any rate. Um, <clears throat> I tell my friends who are still married, I say, boy, you guys, I'm the happiest guy. Oh, oh my gosh. So anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> but, I, you know, uh, I've got lots of memories, and uh, and I wouldn't have done half the stuff that I was able to do had I been married. Hmm. So I've, I've been single now for like 30 years. Wow. So, wow, is great. <laughs> I mean, nice. but uh, but I've I've managed to. I mean, I've gone all over the world. I've, I've been, mm-hmm. you know, I've uh, I've I've been. In, I did. I've done two tours in Iraq with the United States Army. Um, uh, you know, uniformed. And that all happened on, after you retired. This all happened when I was fifty-eight years old. Yeah. You know, it all happened in two thousand seven and eight till right. two thousand eleven. Right. Um, <clears throat> we were. Um, but that's a long story. We can get into that later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but it was. Uh, it, it's just been. It's been a great career. I was the deputy director of the Haitian National Police Training Center in Port-au-Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, worked with the United Nations guys. We won't talk about that because those guys have no teeth. But uh, anyway, no, the <laughs> super guys, uh, RCMP, Royal Canadian <clears throat> Mounted Police, wonderful guys. Yeah, uh, uh, got to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Was all over that country. Um, was able to vet a lot of the students and, and everything else. So. Do you know, does the police academy in, in Port-au-Prince, do they still run on the same model that you guys were able to bring there? Or did they just kind of go back to doing things the way they did? Or I can say that I don't know, but I mm-hmm. believe that they, for years, did a great job. We put together a, uh, I helped write the curriculum in Washington, right. D.C. Yeah. with four of the RCMP guys. Right. Um <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a different world. Yeah. Canada is a different different world. I mean, yeah. they they literally. I I had a homicide uh, uh, captain in Canada mm-hmm. uh, tell me when we were in Haiti. Yeah, he lost his gun for five years and finally found it again. Oh wow! Yeah, that's in uh, that was he was from Stony Plains, Alberta. Well, that would never you could never do that down here. Could never do that. Yeah, you didn't even think of yeah. that. But but. You know, it's like serfs, you know, he's wanted for murder. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, how are you? A, uh, would you like to come with me to the police station? A. And, and we it's like. We have some, uh, what yeah. do they call it, uh, poutine. Yeah. You have some uh, gravy-covered yeah. French fries on the way. Yeah. Jacques <laughs> Le Log guy, uh, whatever. But anyway. Um, you but know, yeah, I think. But it's, it, it is. It is so Totally, absolutely different, and the yeah. culture's different. Why? Because we were a frontier. Now, we don't play hockey like they do. They lose their teeth, and they have these, you know. But, <laughs> but no, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm being terrible. Yeah. But seriously, they have a much more very, very civilized polite and society. polite society. Yeah. Yeah. We, on the other hand, uh, because of our history and culture, and the culture of the gun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's it's evolved into uh, just a a different world and a world that uh, a little more like you said frontier a little more wild west it's wild west whereas you know the Canucks don't don't have to worry about that well the reason I asked you if you know whether or not Port-au-Prince is still running their academy in the same fashion under the same model that you guys brought is because um, when you go to some of these third world world countries or dictatorship countries, um, you really do, and I guess what I appreciate about being in law enforcement in America is there has to be a level of professionalism, right? and the public has to have confidence in the people who are going to be their public servants. And, yes. and, and <clears throat> by um, uh, being able to... Uh, have an expectation or anticipate if this happens, then this will be the response. Right. You know what I mean? That, right. that is part of being in a civilized society. And, um, you know, what was described to me when I was in the Academy, we had a gentleman that there was like this international agreement and a guy from, um, Nogales, Mexico mm-hmm. came up and got to participate in part of our Academy, um, for a couple of weeks until sure. we got to a certain point and then he had to go. Right. But um, some of the stories that he would share, and it's just, it's like borderline unbelievable. And you're like, well, no wonder right. people don't have any confidence in their public servants oh because gosh, yeah. it, there was just, a, a, he described it, a lot of corruption, a lot of abuse of power, uh, and things like that. And so, um, I mean with a little bit of perspective and some yeah. context, it'll give you an appreciation for being in the United States of America or any of those other like first world countries where uh, you hopefully have a force mm-hmm. of either, you know, police force, fire departments and military that are doing the right things for the right reason so that the rest of the public can have faith in their, um, in their ability, in their capability, in their integrity, in their, you know what I mean? Right. In their competencies, all of those things. Well, it, it was a, uh, yeah, and Haiti was a very, very septic society, uh, even back then, mm-hmm. uh, even before the other earthquake. I mean, you know, je en France pendant trois années, dont je peux parler un peu français. In other words, I lived in France for three years as a kid. Mm-hmm. I ended up being the interpreter for my parents. Mm. I didn't even know I was learning a language, but I was there between four and six. Hey, yeah, yeah. You that's, know, a, there that's it is. the right time to yeah, learn a new language. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, and it all right turned a plofu. It keeps. It came right back when I was immersed again into uh-huh. a. And also, we had Ray Kelly, who was had retired from the or had left the New York City Police as commissioner. Okay, he was in Port-au-Prince. We were on the phone all the time, mm-hmm. personally with him. Uh, back and forth, what do you need, what do you have, what are they doing, do they speak French, they're doing this, that, and that. So my French speaking uh, assisted me 500%. Because mm. I would always say, you know, vous ne savez, you don't know who understands. Mm. So I would let them talk about the white guy across the, page, uh, the other side of the table, yeah. what an idiot, what a dick he is, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We're going to yeah. fuck him over, you know. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, uh, you know, a bientôt, you know, see you, see you later. Uh, and they'd look at each other going, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, but anyway, that was an experience, and yeah. it was a great experience. I learned a lot of 
things about third world. Yeah. And uh, and I and I'm a firm believer that every person that graduates high school today in this country needs to spend two years in a third world country and then come back and then trash this country. Right. Come back and do it. I dare them. They right. won't. They'll right. kiss the land. They, you know, but they 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 don't know. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, got rid of that philosophy. Yeah. Um. You said you talk about a situation where I was scared and typical. Yep. Yeah, and and that prompt, what I think of when I wrote that prompt is, let's talk about a time when you were scared above and beyond the normal hypervigilance. And the reason why I said that is because I remember going to work, I remember going to work a couple of times throughout my career, and nothing would happen. It would be a slow day, I would make an arrest, there was, you know, it was pretty slow, and I would come home and I would be exhausted. <laughs> and my wife's like, hey, how was your day? And I was like, that was pretty slow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm wore out because you're on such a, you're so keyed up. Yeah, your head's on the hunting, swivel all the time. searching, right. looking, and uh, you don't even realize the amount of energy that that takes. Yeah. And so, and also, we are constantly going into critical incidents, scary things. Right. right. And so... You know, when I have guests on over the years, they say, you know, the sad thing is, is that for something to be a significant memory to me, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. You know, it's it's far above and beyond because we saw horrific every day. Mm-hmm. So in order for it to be a memory that I still think of or that stays with me, it's it's out there, you know. So, um, well, you know, we all have <clears throat> we all have the critical incidents that uh, the incidents that we've uh, we've been been involved in and, all right uh, but uh, yeah the one that uh, of course i had the gas station shooting that was that was eh. um but the that other, was eh. yeah, it that, only just well, affected your uh, life for about that, two years it, but it eh. affected my life forever actually because yeah. you change your attitude yes like i said my whole thing in life was to make damn sure that every single cop that i ever worked with mm-hmm. when he walked or she walked away would know that i had their back no matter what, yeah, and uh, and I had a compliment like I, like that uh, a great big uh, big guy that was, uh, was a, he he and his friend my son at the time was uh, he was getting he was in high school getting out of high school mm-hmm. and he was putting radios in cars that's where he worked and, oh, yeah. and they came through with their big car and their big radio and and uh, they had the black uh, leather long um, you know raincoat oh, you know, coats, yeah, trench coat trench yeah. coats and uh, and he said man they were the most ominous looking guys and uh, and, I, and he said that he said he knew you and i said oh my god would i lock this guy up or what <laughs> so was a great big black guy uh-huh. he says no his name was porter and he was once on my squad and he says hey uh, youngling are you uh, related to uh, Gary youngling Mm-hmm. And my son's going, oh, shit. Oh, what do I say? <laughs> he says, I, 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 yeah. He goes, he's a great cop, man. I wanted him on my side whenever you went anywhere. He said, Dad, I've never been so proud of you in my life. <laughs> and I heard that, and I went, oh, my God. My son actually was. So that was a nice thing. Yeah. That, that covered several questions right there, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's a good but, compliment. Uh, yeah. It was a great compliment, you know. Yeah. And But uh, from him saying that, totally, you know, it, it was just amazing. But... Uh, yeah, I had uh, there was a um, there was a time where I backed up a guy. Mm-hmm. I won't call him. I won't call him anything. Uh, yeah, because he 
I, I broke him in. I was one of his FTOs. Okay. And uh, he gets a DUI or DWI. He's pulled over. The guy's already handcuffed in the backseat of his car. Okay. And the guy says, I want to fix my chain. They're going to steal my motor. I need to get out. And he comes out of his cruiser, goes in the back of the car, and starts taking his handcuffs off. I'm jumping out of my car going, what the hell are you doing? Right. He goes, oh, he's, going to, he's just going to fix. Well, it was on right after that. Mm. Guy's on PCP. One, he's twice as strong or three times as strong. Oh, yeah. Two, he doesn't feel pain. Three, he's totally paranoid. And four, he's going to throw everything he's got. Yeah. So it's on. And I'm going, uh, you know, when, when I'm finished with this, you know, I'm thinking, when I'm finished with this, yeah, we have a problem. Yeah, you and I are going to have a conversation. Yeah, we had a conversation. <laughs> well, anyway, he jumps back and says, he's got my gun. I've already got one arm behind him laying on his back, his guns in his hand between his chest and the asphalt. Mm. Now, you got to remember, it's dark. Yeah. I mean, a wrecker's on the way, but mm -hmm. all this is happening without any radio contact. So, where's your? Do you not have portables? We had portables. Yeah, yeah at the time we did. But, yeah. But all oh, this is happening hands yeah, nobody, on. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Like, no Got one on knows the radio. Anything. And uh, and then he backs off, and I'm going. So finally, I don't know how it happened. By the grace of God, the the record driver comes up and ends up kicking the guy in the head, and I can wrap him up yeah. and got. So I got his name, I mean, I got his gun, mm -hmm. and uh, it was the last night of four to midnight. The last night of four to midnight is choir practice. Uh, That's when we had the three days, almost four days off. Yeah. So there's always a card game at midnight at somebody's house, mm -hmm. and there's always a party, and the squad's always there, mm -hmm. and uh, or somewhere. Right. And... Uh, I knew that it was going to be at one of the other guys' house. It was an apartment, ground floor apartment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I finished it like three in the morning, <sighs> three hours later. I am cut from my both of my arms, my knees shredded. I'm just a, just a piece of meat. But I got the guy. You know, I wrapped him up, got him under arrest. He was taken care of. And... Uh, now I'm on my way home, but I decided mm -hmm. to go by and, and visit. And would, and would the choir practice still be going at 3 in the morning? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, wow. uh, in those days, You're the many, professionals, many, man. <laughs> many, in those days, many, many uh, uh, cops uh, had, had gotten in trouble with their wives. Uh, Not that they were doing anything wrong. They just weren't there. Yeah. And, uh, and when they come in and it's like 5 in the morning and the sun's up, chirp, 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 you know, uh, and I've had more than once I fell into that. Yeah. And my yeah. wife would lock the screen door, you know. <laughs> so I've been there. Uh, anyway, uh, walked right in. They opened the door, walked right in, went right up, and I busted him right in the mouth. I knocked him across the room. And uh, the sergeant was there. And he said to me, Ryler, I'll never forget him. He says, okay, is... Uh, is that it? I said, yes, sir, that's it. He goes, all right. Never said another word. The, the guy I hit never said a word, another word. He knew it. Everybody in that room knew it. Yeah. And uh, and he, he ended up being a great, I mean, he's, he was a great cop. But that particular time, yeah. at that very moment, I thought I was done. Yeah. 
Because yeah. all he had to do was roll over. Right. And right. if it wasn't for that record driver, that was it. So that was one incident of many, but I won't get into the So we just took a quick break. But um, you were, we were talking <laughs> about the scariest, and you're talking about this fight with the PCP. And uh, oh, yeah. and how once you got to choir practice later that night, you had to uh, address the the guy who should have never taken the dude out of handcuffs. Well, you know, in those days, too, uh, an occasional punch in the mouth didn't <laughs> didn't cost you your job or yeah. didn't cost you. Uh, and uh, you know, and if you couldn't take a punch in the mouth, you didn't belong in the department. <laughs> Because if you didn't take, if you couldn't take a punch in the mouth, right? Uh, <clears throat> and of course, we had those things at the academy, you know, where the big posts, you know, they were on be- both sides. Oh yeah, you see, like in uh, army training videos, you know, same thing. It looks like a big, huge same thing. Swab. In the, same thing in the academy, and you get busted in the face. You gotta, <laughs> you've got. Well, you have to learn how to live through getting busted in the face, because immediately when you get hit in the nose, even if it's broken. Yeah. The first thing you want to do is cowl down and just, right. you know, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, which is the last thing you, you should do if you're out in the street. No. You know, you got to. No, and you got to remember something else, too. We didn't have partner units. We yeah. were single units. Yeah. We had uh, most of my career, we had uh, portable radios, but mm-hmm. you only had to get to it. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, you had to lay the mic over the uh, the mirror outside and leave your window down because, you know, if you could get back to your cord, uh, but that was, I mean, those were the old days. Right. But you don't miss what you don't know. Right. So you learn how to deal with it. Well, oh, yeah. at, at five foot eight, uh, I used to have people tell me, you're getting so many fights. Well, yeah, because you're nine foot seven and weigh 300 pounds. I'm yep. five foot eight, you know, and at the time, 170. I wish I was 170 again. Yeah, but, right. uh, but the thing is, uh, yeah, you learn how to use the brick wall, side of the cruiser, yeah. uh, face down the cement. And in my case, uh, I wasn't. A, now we we had we had uh, uh, karate training in the academy, mm-hmm. and we had a master train us, and we did that for sixteen weeks, and that was good. But essentially, um, there's just like five or six major moves you always have, you always right. use, and they always work. Yeah. Well, mine also was looking for the brick wall or looking for everything else because that was my partner. Yes. Uh, if someone broke bad, it was like Katie bar the door. And and the other thing is I did have a slapper, and yeah. we were able to grab that slapper. Now, me being five foot eight, instead of backing away and getting hurt, yep. I would go in. It's called like a gestalt French fighting method. Mm-hmm. I would always go in and I'd be your lover, buddy, because I am into you and you are getting the hell whacked out of you. Right. And, and the thing is, you never want to be at the end of the fist. No. You'd rather be up here and, and where they I can't was, smack you. Yeah, I, was like a, I was like a rag doll on steroids, you know. I was, they'd go, what's this cop doing? He's and by the time they knew uh, it, they're face down uh, and, uh, and, and being introduced to you know, the pavement or whatever. And then, uh, but I finally, even as I evolved as an, as I got older, yeah. as, as a cop, you yeah. don't, you don't need to wrestle with these people. Yeah. You step back and whack the shit out of them. I mean, you know, and, uh, yeah. and that's what you did. Yeah. I mean, because you were by yourself. Yep. You got to um, restore public order as fast as possible. Cause the longer that fight goes on, the more dangerous it becomes. Yeah. Everybody starts getting tired. Well, you got you a know, gun in the and fight. There's a gun in the fight. That's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had I had a couple of things like that. But I had uh, 
a lot of my stuff happened in Vice. I'm, I'm trying to look look here at some of the things that I wanted to uh, to bring out. Yeah, you um, had three pages of copious notes. So that's, yeah, I've got three, but uh, they're they're typewritten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> single space, eight font. No, <laughs> uh, but you're not see. a writer. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let's to, let's talk about that briefly. Yes, and my, I wrote that down oh, books okay, because okay. I do want to give you an opportunity to. Okay, well, we'll do that. Big old fat let, shameless plug. Yeah, let me let me do this. Though. Let me stay with the the cop stuff because sure. that's what people are listening to, and uh, and and I want to you know keep them on the edge of their seats. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, um, as far as um, like a compliment, yeah. other than the one I just said, I want to talk about Rosie real quick. Okay. Rosie was a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous prostitute. She, I mean, she was unbelievably gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She was a piece of crap, uh, but she... As a person. As a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ran with a guy that was also a piece of crap. That yeah. was her uh, quote-unquote junker pimp. Uh, pimp. Yeah. Well... More than once, Rosie and he would roll drunks in the back of a, uh, one of these restaurants on uh-huh. a major intersection area in Fairfax County, Telegraph Road and Kings Highway, which is leading into the city of uh, Alexandria, just around the corner, over the Beltway. Um, but uh, Rosie was a piece of work. So what, she would entice them back there and then he would rob them? Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. Hit, hit them over the head, take their, bo- their dope and their money. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, and she was just a piece of work. And I had arrested her a number of times, and uh, you know, and this was, of course, before AIDS. Now, after AIDS, it got even more difficult because mm-hmm. you don't want to wrestle anyway. But anyway, bottom yeah. line is, we did. I mean, well, we did, and to we a don't degree. have to necessarily gloss over that. But that right. was when you are a police officer and you start to go hands on. Part of your thought process and part of your calculation is, and not necessarily just AIDS. Any kind of hepatitis, yeah. anything right. that's a communicable disease. Right. Once you have to put your hands on people and start Look fighting, um, you know, a buddy of mine, he had to go and get go through the whole hepatitis series <laughs> after fighting with somebody, you know, because I think they spit in his face. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it's... Um, it has to be part of your calculation. And then the way that you conduct yourself on the job... You keep that in mind as you're putting your hands on people, as you're making an arrest. Right. All of that is part of your thinking process. Right. So, yeah, it's not necessarily like, I don't know. To me, AIDS is not touchy. AIDS is just, it's a communicable disease. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely preventable. Mm-hmm. And when you have to touch someone who might be bleeding, you got to think about putting on gloves. Yeah. And, and you, you don't have time. Mask. And you don't, and you have don't time. always, yeah. No. So. so anyway, I get called. Uh, so anyway, I'd rock, locked her up a number of times. and uh, But over the period of time that I did, of course, I, I uh, she, she also was one of my snitches. Yeah. I mean, I I used to use everybody I locked up as a snitch at oh, some yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, that's the only way you can operate on the street. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, so I get this call. I hadn't seen her in a while. I get this call and she's on top of the building. It's not, it's only like a three story building. It's a two story building, but, uh, she's standing on top of the building. This is the same place that she and her once boyfriend or pimp mm-hmm. would, would behind the place in the parking lot, roll the drunks. Yeah. So I see Rosie up there and she's got a baby, an infant, a newborn in her arms. Oh, 
and she's going to jump. I'm going, oh, Jesus. So I get up there. I said, you know, I, I, anyway, bottom line, let's go, I'll just go through the fanfare. I talked her down. Yeah. But she came down with the baby in her arms, and I convinced her that uh, she needed to get a warrant for this boyfriend of hers that beat her and the child. That was her baby. Yeah, her baby. Okay. Her baby. So Maybe he's not even the father, quite honestly. I don't know. Right. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, considering I know her, it wasn't me. <laughs> considering well, considering her profession, yeah, yeah that's right. It's a it's could a, have been a, yeah, crap exactly. Shoot. Yeah. yeah, it could have been. She, it could be nineteen different. Uh, <laughs> well, and you and I both know too is that yeah. for a pimp whose product is now going to be not good for him, tainted because now this lady has a child. You know, uh, his use for her is pretty much. Nil. Yeah, I used to have pimps that uh, literally would adopt. The children of their whores, so they could get the tax. Benefits. Oh wow! Oh yeah! I mean, oh, I thought you were going to say in order to um, um, they extort get, them, like get out on the street. Well, I've same got thing. Your I got your kids. Same thing. It's also yeah. control. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's a different world. That world of uh, of, uh, of of slavery. So, so anyway, yeah. well, that's cool though because um, even I didn't have that experience. Um, of talking someone who was suicidal out of jumping off of a right. building. Um, but it absolutely is. I mean, you spend any length of time on the street, it's almost like it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. And yeah. and what happened was I had convinced her. Of course, I had to get on the phone. We didn't have cells back then. So yeah. I had to get on. The, I had called the magistrate. I told him the whole story. I aligned a, the a CPS, Child Protective Services, to be at the magistrate's office. Yeah. I talked to magistrate. Uh, his name was Carl Weichardt. I'll never forget his name. Good guy. But uh, he was the one you had to go through to get a warrant. Yeah. And I told him, I said, Carl, she's got this baby. And he says, oh. I said, can you demand that child be out of your courtroom so I can get custody of the child because she's going to kill this kid yeah. if we and he goes yes so i had all that orchestrated mm. so by the time i got her to get to to the magistrate's office yeah. uh child protective services was there in the, in the background mm-hmm. and uh i already knew who they were they they yeah. i winked wink wink you know and uh as she goes into the courtroom he says get that child out of my courtroom so i said i'll take your child I took that child and handed it off immediately to CPS. Yes. She was then arrested. Funny how that happens. She was then arrested. I don't recall what happened. Yeah. I have no idea. It's just a Tuesday, you know. So just, I don't know. And she was arrested, what, for endangerment? Endangerment, yada, yada, whatever. Right. Okay. um, Now, before we go any further, though, that sounds cruel. However, everybody's, um, uh, what do you call it? Ah, oh, that totally just escaped me. Rock bottom. Everyone's rock bottom is different. Yes. And sometimes the only way you'll get someone like her into services, clean her life up, get back on her feet, maybe even get her child back is to put her in jail. Mm-hmm. And it sounds cruel, like you just talked her off the balcony, you just talked her off the ledge, literally, you bring her down to the courthouse, you sneak and take, take her, her child and lock, and her, lock up. her up. Okay, now, I'm going to fast forward this. Yeah? I have retired. 
I started a company called Corporate Security International mm-hmm. uh, and Associates. We were uh, security and... Did you have any associates or you just named it? No, no, a, no, we had oh, Okay, just to sound but cool. I, <laughs> I started a company before, yeah. just before I retired. Yeah. And, uh, and I had five people working for me, with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, a retired uh, chief deputy U.S. marshal under... Uh, and, I mean, we had... We had a great uh, cadre of people. W- what I had was I developed a security consulting firm yeah. that did nothing but security for uh, uh, corporations, mm-hmm. and um, we did quite well. Yeah, I mean, I was look. I'm a DC Beltway. I have two master's degrees. I got you know everything's good. Yeah, and 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 uh, and Gary actually Ying is making some money. You know. And I got two ex-wives. They're all paid for. Nobody. I'm not responsible for anything but me. Yeah. And it's a, it's it's a great life, you know. Yeah. But anyway, until then, I had to get to there by by retiring from the police department and everything else. Yeah. I get this phone call. My once sergeant. Uh, I can say his name. I'll yeah. say his name. Tony Spada, great guy. Mm-hmm. He was my sergeant when I was in vice narcotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls me out of the blue. Now, I've been retired for like four or five years. He says, uh, I just want to tell you, I sent something in the mail, and let me know when you get it. Uh, okay. Should I mail it to your home, or should I mail it to your business address? Because I, I was in the Springfield Tower building on the seventh floor. Uh, and uh, we had, I mean, it was, you know, it overlooked both the, the interchange of I-95, I-495, and I-395 in Springfield in Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like I said, we we did well. We did yeah. well. Uh, and that's where all of the other stuff fell into place. But anyway, I get this call. I said, Tony, send it to my uh, home address. Yeah. What is it? He said, I just want, I just... Call me when you get it. Okay. Now, in those days, we actually had cell phones. We had, uh, I, had I had a bag phone, and I had oh, a brick geez. phone, and I think you I had straight this up was, Miami Vice think, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. So anyway, I get this phone call, and I get this card of this beautiful, young, 21-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. Her graduation from Tulane or wow. or one of the one of the you know freshwater colleges I call them nice nice schools freshwater college. So I call uh, Tony. I said, "Got the picture." He says, <laughs> "I want you to know that is the baby you took off the roof of that house." Mm. He said, "She's graduated. She is my adopted daughter. We've had her all these years, and I just found out how." She came about because he went through the records as a lieutenant on the department. He was able to fish. Wow. And he says, I just thought I'd let you know, thank you. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Wow. You know. That was my reward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike Thrall, when he was on, he talked about uh, helping they're sitting in a parking lot off of Broadway or uh, Craycroft and Golf Links, and this van comes into the parking lot sideways. And you don't know what the situation is. And they help deliver this little baby. Yeah. And then fast forward when his buddy, well, and a a mutual friend of mine, Larry Payne, was retiring. Right. This girl was at his retirement. That's right. I heard that. That's right. Yeah. He said, not a dry eye in the place. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was my biggest, I think, greatest reward after yeah. I'd done all this other shit. You know, I mean, really, right. yeah. Um, yeah, you'd like to know that the scraped up knees and the and the working the wonky shifts and the because it's not very often that you get the back pat or the compliment, and I think that's why it was important for me to add that. Right, right. Um, you know, and and I really did cherish and and I love the dude to death, and he's been on the show three times now. Is Bill Hansen? Oh, yeah. When he told me, he says, uh, "My my best compliment is not even work related." He right. said. Two different people, independent of one another, came back to tell me that they met my son and he was such a good young gentleman and that I had done a great job raising him. That's huge. That's huge. That's all as a parent. Absolutely. You know, as a parent, we were talking about that before we started recording. As a parent, if somebody comes back to you and tells you, man, your kid, your right. kid's a rock star. Your kid's, he's dialed in, man. Like that's all you could ask for because over the years, whether our kids like to admit it or not or can appreciate it or not necessarily... All of the struggle, all of the strife, all of the hard work, all of the sacrifice, all of the things is because when you have a kid, and in my case too, you quickly realize right. that you want to provide them an opportunity to do better, be better, do more, see more, exactly. be more. You know, like I feel like I've accomplished a lot in my lifetime and I would love to see my kids do even more. Well, when you think you know? about it, that's really what it's all about. Oh, yeah. Really. It should be. It should, it be. should be. Right. And yeah. uh, sometimes it takes us a while, a couple head knocks to get it. But yeah. uh, I'm looking also here at, uh, said, uh, let's see. And then I'll get off the, uh, that soapbox. But the no, sad, saddest call you can remember. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something. This changed my perspective because it gave me... Uh, the realization of what we do out there matters and makes a difference. Yeah. Little things. I was working tax squad. What we would do is you have to remember something. We walked a fine line. We wanted to make absolutely sure we did not entrap anybody. Right. Entrapment is when you will cause someone to do something they would not normally do. Right. So we had a, um, we had a, uh, a philosophy among us that we would pick up hitchhikers. Mm -hmm. If you had a hitchhiker on the road, pick him up. See what you got. Oh, weird. Oh, no, not weird. No, no, not weird at all. Yeah. We would I think by up, the time I became a cop, hitchhiking was almost not even a thing well, yeah, and, anymore. And, 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 and normally, but, uh, yeah. you know. I think that went out with the Hulk in the 70s. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You just you reminded me of my me. age. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to see me when I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. So anyway, <laughs> we'd pick up hitchhikers, and I'm telling you, it's amazing because uh, uh, Gary Healy and I worked together as partners. And uh, you have to remember, too, we didn't, uh, we, we had a thing. Hey, uh, wh where are you going? I'm going so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay, we can take you there. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do? Well, I'm saying, uh, he's got a tractor trailer that's parked out here. He takes it back to West Virginia every week. And what we do is we, we, we actually fill the trailer up with stolen goods. Mm. Oh. Minute or two goes by. So, uh, what kind of goods do you do? Oh, whatever we get, you know, motorcycles, uh, diamonds, uh, you know, whatever, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you pay for them? We pretty, well, pretty good, depending on what they are and what kind of shape they're in. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
hey, uh, I know of a couple places that uh, we can get some neat stuff. Oh, really? Like what? Well, like, uh, you know, I broke into this house one time and had a big, great big elephant's tusk in there and I couldn't get rid of it. Oh, really? You broke into this house? Where was it? I can take you there. Really? <laughs> okay. That's the way we did. Yeah. Well, there's one guy. Now, we, we have to remember, we, we made almost 100 felony arrests between the two of us yeah. in, a, in a period over months just doing that. Yeah. Or you get a, a tone, and we'd respond not to the tone where the marked cars go. Mm-hmm. We'd respond circular or outside the tone, see somebody running or, or, right. or pick up on a car parked and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and they'd be either hitchhiking or running or, hey, man, you need a ride? Yeah, see those fucking cops? Yeah. He said, yeah, jump in the car, man. We'll give you a ride. What happened? Oh, I just knocked over a warehouse or did I just locked right. up that thing. I took a 7-Eleven or Circle K. I, you know, right. get me the hell out of here. I said, okay, fine. Where are you going? Okay. Boom. You're ours. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a very, very effective unit. There, was, there were four of us. Yeah. Two cars always. And we kept in touch and we backed each other up. Um, so that, that worked out really well. Um, and uh, as, as a TAC unit, we did all of that stuff. Right. And Ricky, unfortunately for him, Ricky said, I know a place that we can get a lot of stuff. I've done it before. Well, when he said that, that kind of leaves us off the hook as far as entrapment goes. Yeah. So what have you done? Well, we got this, that, and the other, but we I need some tools. And I said, well, we have some tools, but we can't. I wasn't going to provide him tools. Yeah, yeah. So I tell you what, there's a high gear. High gear used to be like AutoZone in, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. High gear was an AutoZone. You could buy tools oh, and stuff. Oh, gotcha. And he says, I'm going to go in there, and I'll take, I'll take some tools. I'll steal them. I said, what are you going to do? He says, well, and he pulls out a gun. He says, oh, jeez. Yeah. He says, well, if I get stopped, I'll just kill a guy. I said, no, 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 you won't do that. Mm. You give me the gun. I kept the gun. Mm. That's forever. Yeah. And uh, I said, uh, give me the gun. You don't have anything else, do you? No. I said, well, we don't need to go there. Yeah. He goes, okay, okay. Uh, Just take me home. I said, we're keeping the gun, dude. I don't trust you, you know. Uh, but that's my gun. Well, you get it back later when you call us. Call mm-hmm. us when you got something. Yeah. We're going to be in the area for a while. He calls back. I've got all these things. He had broken into about nine different things, uh-huh. storage areas. He lived in this upper level. Anyway, the kid was not a bad kid. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a bad kid. He was a stupid kid. But he was 19 years old, 20. Yeah. So, you know, and Gary and I talked about it. I said, what are we going to do wrap this kid up? We don't want to wrap him up too bad. Mm-hmm. He said, well, so anyway, bottom line is he had about nine different areas that he had broken into and stolen. <laughs> He's not stuff. a bad kid. He just did nine burglaries. He just did nine burglaries. Oh, my gosh. I mean, because if it's inside or underneath and part under the roof, it's a burglary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if the garage door is open, you break that. But still, he right. took a bunch of stuff, and mm-hmm. we called us down. We had to call another guy with a pickup truck to pick all the stuff up. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, we ended up arresting him, charged him with about nine counts of burglary, knowing that he would probably get one. Right. Never did anything or got, got caught for anything before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was a Friday evening, so he wouldn't be arraigned until Monday morning. So we oh. had him arrested, 
and that way he's going to stay. And he was, so I told the magistrate, please, please don't let this kid out mm-hmm. because he's really unstable right now. And, and the thing is, he is under the impression he's, he's done. Mm-hmm. But we're going to, you know, probably charge him. With, it's up to the, up to the Commonwealth Attorney, which is the DA, right. charge him with, you know, maybe one burden. Okay. Monday morning rolls around. I have a meeting uh, at, at headquarters, mm-hmm. and we're actually getting an award for what we've done. Yeah. And in the meeting, they did the DAR, Daily Activity Report, running down what happened over the weekend. Yeah. This guy, Ricky, had killed himself. Wait a minute. He's supposed to be in jail. Right. He had killed himself. And he had just been arrested by Gary Youngling and Gary Healy for X number of burglaries. I almost vomited. Yeah. It made me sick. Yeah. The father and mother came down and pleaded with the magistrate to let him out. And he let him out. He went home, grabbed a thirty out six, and ended his life hmm. from activity. I was directly imposed. Now here's right. here's the even worse. We didn't know that Ricky was a, a brother of one of our police officers, female police officers. Oh no! Oh yeah! Not a very popular person in her eyes. Yeah, that destroyed me yeah and to this day it it uh it's hard to talk about but yeah we have to understand what we do and how we did it has impact right and oh my god that was uh that was a tough one when i first started working at the jail one of the things that they taught us that i never forgot is that you know some folks are in the jail every other weekend. Oh yeah. And it's part the furniture. Of, right. And it is part <laughs> of who they are. Yeah. For the individual who is arrested and has never been arrested before. That was a good kid. They think their life is over. Yeah. And that first like 24 hour window is the most important. And you really got to keep an eye on them because That's right. if they think their life is over and they've got nothing to live for, mm-hmm. they'll take action to to make that so well and being a kid too you know right. they just they they just don't understand the permanence right right and uh but anyway that that was uh that's it for that no more no, <laughs> no more of the no no more of the dark stuff but that was important though for yeah. and i wanted to get that out so so maybe there are other cops that have been through that yeah. and have known it um <clears throat> and the rookies that listen to this maybe will understand what you do, buddy or yeah. lady, is uh, has an impact. Yeah. So, well, there was a story that you made me think of, and and you told this story in your first episode. And while it is <laughs> it is slightly dark, it's also extremely humorous. And I thought that might be a good way to come back from some of this, oh. um, or at least get us on the right path. Uh, there was a time when you were working in an undercover capacity, and as you're driving down the highway. Uh, a collision occurred behind you that you didn't oh. see, but you heard it. Yeah. 
And then you decided to come up on the air and give some play-by-play that ended up getting you in trouble. Um, <laughs> and I thought that might be a funny and a good way to, to like I said, step away from the dark and move to oh, another yeah. topic. Well, I wasn't undercover at that time. I actually was in a suit. Okay. I, I was a detective. There we uh, go. And I had moved on. I had moved on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I was uh, going somewhere, God knows. Uh, but it was it was the Beltway. The Beltway in Fairfax is like you said. It was it's, it was busy, mm-hmm. and uh, if there was anything that was going to happen, it was going to be in and around the Beltway. I mean, you went into Maryland, D.C., everything. So uh, I'm headed toward. In fact, the funny thing is, I was uh, I was sitting behind the exit from my old high school. Okay, <laughs> I just I remember that anyway. <laughs> but anyway. I'm sitting in traffic. There's uh, traffic's a dead stop, and I heard this big ass, unbelievable collision. And uh, as I look up, I see a guy in a f- red and, and blue and flannel shirt flying over the top of my car. Yes. And uh, I said, "Well, that's unusual. He's not Superman, and I think he's going to. That's unusual." Yeah. And then he came to a, an abrupt stop at the. Bridge in Buckman. Hmm. <sighs> okay. And the funny thing is, I mean, while all this is going on, you know, I'm not, nothing is, it's not even, it's Tuesday. Right. I set my coffee down. I had my coffee. I set it down in the cup holder, got on the radio and said, be advised, there's a 9F, which was at the time signal 9, was a traffic accident, F being a, a fatal. That's just occurred on the... Uh, it's going to be the inner loop, inner going this way, outer going that way. Mm-hmm. Inner loop of the Beltway um, at uh, approximately uh, exit 10E, just before it, exit 10E, which is Route 7, Leesburg Pike, uh, and uh, 10-4. Uh, how do you know it's a fatal? And this is what I said. I said, because he just flew over the top of my car and stopped at the bridge in Buckman. Oh, that well, poor now, guy probably didn't have a single solid bone left in his body and, once he hits that cement. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I <laughs> then was I. Re, I didn't have to be reminded. You know, the clicks will do it for you. Click, 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 click. All of everyone's clicking, clicking the mic mm. uh, because it just reminded me that this the Washington Post, the uh, Washington Times, every all of every reporter in the world used to listen just to the scanners to that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, back in the day, like now with the digital and the truncated right. radio systems, you can almost you're almost encrypted. And it, yeah. and if someone has a scanner, because that thing is constantly revolving, <laughs> it doesn't allow them to hear a whole conversation. They'll just hear snippets of a bunch of conversations. But back in the old days, a lot of those crime beat reporters. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of those crime beat reporters used to listen to a scanner right. so that they could be the first on scene and break the story. So here's a young Gary Youngling, or Ying, as your nickname used to be. <laughs> They're like, hey, I got a fatal accident up on the turnpike. Well, how do you know it's fatal? Because the dude just flew past my car at about 40 miles an hour and <laughs> smacked the cement embutment. Yeah, yeah. And, and I told him, by the way, uh, I will remain on scene. Uh, so, And they would send either Virginia State Police uh-huh. or Fairfax County. We had uh, Virginia State, we had a um, <clears throat> mutual we had agreement. <clears throat> agreement. They yeah. would take care of the interstates, 95, 495, 395. That would free us up. 
and we'd take care of all the crime. Yeah. And the joke was a Virginia State trooper had a robbery in progress, and he says, what is it? And I, and and one trooper says to the other, well, it's got these face down. Oh, no, it, it's a body in a, in, in a, on a, in a pond. Uh-huh. He, no, he's face down in the pond. He's got chains around his back, but he's not overweight and speeding, so I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> So uh, we used to that we we used to say that with well, I jokingly used to call DPS AAA with guns. Yeah, but you know, in the reality of the Virginia, uh, there's a lot of rural areas where they are it. Yes, they and, are the police, and, and their backup may be a telephone call away, not a radio call. Right, and uh, you've got to give them that credit. So, yeah. and, and I do, yeah. but we used to joke with them because oh uh, yeah, you got to give them. Well, we got to razz each other. For well, sure. I had I had a robbery one time. It just occurred. That we used to have a, a, a fast food chain called Gino's. Okay, G I N O apostrophe S. Obviously, it was an Italian fast food. Yeah. How do you get good Italian food that's fast food? Just answer that. I mean, I'll right. leave that. Let that cook. Yeah. I, I can't. I, anyway. anyway, so it was a fast food restaurant. I'm getting off. I'm running down toward the end of the, the patrol area, and it's right there at Mount Vernon Highway, George Washington's Mount Vernon, and uh, and uh, Martha Custis Drive, which was his daughter, uh, his daughter Martha's uh, estate. Okay. So... We're in a very historical area full of a lot of shit, crime. In fact, George Washington used to have um, his uh, evening guests at 11 o'clock in the morning so they could buggy home to Alexandria before it got dark because Route 1 was called Thieves Highway in the the 1700s. So it's it's the same road. It's full of history, but like you said in one of the other podcasts, uh, about the Carolinas and stuff. We have history all over the place that go into the 16th, 1600s. Yeah. And before, obviously, and, and, and giving credit to the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but still, the East Coast, that's where we were. We were right there. So anyway, I'm responding. There's a, uh, it's a, it's a, a robbery in progress. The guy had just left. He was a, uh, a, 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 a black gentleman. Mm-hmm. Had just left, and uh, anyway, there was a shot fired by me. Oh, wow. Because he, anyway, it's a long story, but the bottom <laughs> line is, the bottom line is this. I was first on the I scene. I love how we're getting the Reader's Digest of an officer-involved shooting. That's yeah, well, yeah. This is very, very reasonable. <laughs> but the dog, the uh, canine, found a little eight-inch strip of... Afro. <laughs> Perfect little strip. What the heck? Yeah, exactly what I said. Huh. What's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> and never did get caught. And we boarded Fort Belvoir, the Army base. Mm-hmm. We figured it was one of the guys there. We couldn't know. Oh. But the thing is, that was Mill Road right there. And So, uh, and you shot at this dude. Why? Uh, it was, uh, well, first of all, I, I saw a gun. Yeah, and and uh, but I I don't re- I don't recall what happened. Yeah, you know the funny thing is I was more <laughs> I was more enamored by the strip of hair that I was the. Uh, but anyway, that happened, yeah. and it was uh, so I had a Virginia State Police guy with me. Yeah, he had responded immediately, and he goes, 
What happened? Well, anyway, these guys, <laughs> the guy had put them, they, they were in the freezer. The oh, walk-in the freezer. robber put them in the freezer. Yeah, and what had happened is they had come out to take the trash out. He was waiting, hmm. went inside, stuck them up, uh, this, that, and the other. I roll up on the scene. He's running out, and to my knowledge, he turned, because I, I had my spotlight on him. Yeah. He turned. I thought he was, anyway, um, I missed him, hmm. but they didn't. He was a strip of eight inches of hair, and that was it. Oh. And uh, and you think your round hit that? Oh, then my round went zing across right some, through, <laughs> right through his hair. And that's exactly what uh, you know. But anyway, that's uh, that wow. was that was a kind of a a funny thing today that, that could link that dude by DNA. Today they could. Back then, no, no, yeah, yeah no. Back then, you know, we still had horse and buggy. <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was that was spotlight was a candle in the no yeah yeah exactly, (laughs) but you know you have to remember too, we do adapt and we do evolve and we came around and when I retired in ninety four yeah, uh, good God we had radios we had all this stuff it was great and uh, in fact everything. And the training, though, I have to say, the training, even listening to your podcasts over the year, over the months, um, years, actually. Years, yeah. Um, is that was pretty, pretty progressive. We had great training. Yeah. We had excellent training. Yeah. Uh, we used the old, they used to call it the old San Jose model. Yep. Way back when. Yep, yep. And you know what? We, it I still is, I think. We use that model to this day. I mean, yeah. to, I, for training rookies and, and essentially FTOs and everything. Yep, field training yeah. officers, and you put somebody with, with a first guy for four weeks or two or three weeks. Right. And then they go with another officer for four weeks, another officer for four weeks. And then the very final two to four weeks, they'll go back to the first guy and he can see how they've progressed, how much they've learned, and that they really truly can be a standalone independent police officer. Right, and you and you uh, you can elect to be in plain clothes or not and back away. Just, yes. Just be a ride-along. Yeah. You know, don't say a thing unless you're going to get in trouble. And, you know, and, when I was at the police department, you talk about, you know, it was rare. It was the exception to the rule if you got to partner up. With right. someone because it was Dick Miranda was our chief. And, you know, if you're the chief of police, you want people to feel like they can't turn a corner without seeing a cop car. Right. And you'll never achieve that if you allow people to ride up, you know, ride around in two man units. And so we were predominantly single man, single woman, single person units right. driving around to, you know, to get the, you go on to maximize your potential with the limited resources you got. You know, and so occasionally you could get a sergeant to say, yeah, you guys, it's our Friday. You guys can bake her up. You can partner right. up. But for the most part, we were single man units or single person units. Yeah. The only time we would uh, actually partner up is with, well, that's that's why every fat detective better be able to get in their <laughs> uniform because we would have what they call snowstorms, something mm-hmm. Arizonans don't know many about unless they're in the, the White Mountains. Yeah. When we would have them and they would be bad. Yeah. And uh, they would always happen at rush hour 
in in the evening. Yeah, that's what I hated about monsoon here. Oh. I wanted to get off at four o'clock and at about two thirty or three, and then you get held over. Nobody's allowed to log off, that's and right. you're standing in the middle of an intersection getting drenched because the lights went out and you have to direct traffic. Well, in our case, we'd have cots set up at firehouses for mm. us. Oh wow! It would be like you're there. Wow. And it may be a day or two. And Do I they mean, pay you that whole time? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh baby. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, they better. Oh, no, let they me don't tell let you. you leave. Well, it's like, uh, you know, you know it, it, it's, it's true, though. But they, they didn't happen often, but when they did, they were, they were significant. Yeah. And, I mean, especially where we were, because we were at the interchange of I-95, 495, and 395, yeah. rush hour traffic from D.C., nine inches of snow in a two-hour period, mm. everything at a dead stop. And I remember... I could see people dying in their cars. Well, you know, it you wasn't, run out of gas, wasn't that bad. To but, death. Well, you know, they, it never happened that much. Yeah. But other things did, like uh, there was a truck that was abandoned. Mm. And it, I'm, I'm saying it was a big truck. It wasn't a... It was a cargo, a big van. Gotcha. Uh, maybe 25, 30 feet. And I took a... I mean, it was and it was blocking a major. So what I did is I took a uh, uh, the uh, um, it, it was a um, well, it was a crowbar actually yeah. from the apparatus used for for your tires yes. out of the trunk. Mm-hmm. Smashed the window, stuck it in uh, in neutral, and rolled it, and it rolled down to the bottom and turned over. Oh no! Tough. That's the yeah. way it went, and there was no problem. Yep. because I was opening up traffic that was necessary. Yeah, and that was to this day I have no idea who's. I mean, but it was a major commercial truck. Yeah, but someone just left it there, and uh, you know, and and of course I had people with, with their jaws dropped when I did that. Uh, but you know <laughs> uh, what? I knew that. I knew where I was legally. I yeah. knew where I was standing. You know, one of the things that you made me think of before we started recording is you just got back from a, a, a trip to Vegas, and you go pretty regular. Um, well, twice a year. That's There we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's more regular than me. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But um, I didn't want to sound like some. One of the things <laughs> that I can appreciate about Metro Las Vegas PD. Oh, they will shoot you, buddy. Well, <laughs> they will shoot. They I will don't shoot. appreciate that about no, them. No, I don't either, but, but I, I've just known them that they are amazing. <laughs> but down here, we have the occasional protest or yeah. we'll have some kind of a major event. Right. The El Tour de Tucson, like today, and everybody has it's like a whole hands on deck kind of a thing. But when you are a police officer, let's say in Los Angeles or Las Vegas or some. Every day is an event. It's an event. You know, and the thing is for like us, with the El Tour, we're going to have a bunch of meetings leading up to, and then on the day of, we're going to have a huge briefing. Today. Everybody's going to go to their posted locations. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. And in a city like Vegas, every other weekend is a major event. Like I couldn't imagine working in an agency where every weekend is an event. Yes. You know, because even if it's not the uh, Grand Prix, even if it's not the Raiders are in town, even if it's not the the rodeo or the um, let's say the Pac twelve basketball that's right conference, even if it's not something like that, 
that place gets packed every weekend by visitors who want to come to Vegas because it's Vegas. Oh, you know, and I and like and I said, I visited the Sphere and it's amazing. I, you know, I've heard. Just think, Google it. That's yeah, the only way. I think you can I've only ever it. heard of it because of broadcast when there's NFL games. They're sure. like, "Hey, we went to the Sphere." Yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but um, just Google it. To, to, yeah. You know, and again, and I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. If you work for a small agency. Versus if you work for Fairfax County or Las Vegas Metro, your experience as a cop over your 20-year career, those are two different things. And they could oh. possibly be night and day in experience. Well, you know, and I, and I can say this. Uh, and this is If you're of, Barney Fife with one bullet in your pocket yeah, that, and you never pull your gun versus Mayberry. I pulled my gun. Yeah, I pulled my gun four times in the first hour of my shift. You yes. know what I mean? Like even as a cop, you can have a completely different career. Oh, yeah. Depending on where you work, well, and that's that's very true. I mean, I, I pull my gun, God, so many times. Right. But the thing is, though, I've had people say they've never pulled a gun at all. We talked about lunchbox Lou <laughs> years ago. Uh, yeah, or if you have to break into a car and roll it over on the side of the highway, and it turns yeah. over, a truck. I don't even know a if big it, old box oh truck or van. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it oh wasn't. My but my concern was. Safety and traffic at the time. We were backed up mile. I mean, it was, and it was dark because yeah. you know in the winter it gets dark at four thirty. Right, and uh, it was right. a rush hour winter. Nine inches of snow. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, and that's only one of several that used to happen. Right. So the fat cop, that's the uh, that's a detective, had better have a uniform ready to go yeah. because you are going to be driving and you're going to be with. That's the whole point. Right. You're going to be with a partner. Yeah, because there's only one unit. And that's the only one they send, unless there's a, something really bad. And uh, and it was uh, when you talk about detectives being forced back out to the street. The only experience that I can think of that I had was Y two K. Oh yeah, we're all gonna die. <laughs> and they made all of the detectives put their uniforms on and baker up as we. I don't even remember what we called it at the sheriff's department, but and they put us on twelve hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And because I was already a midnight cop, I worked 18 to 06 with a detective in the car with me, and not a dang thing happened. Nothing. And you know something? I I had my company at the time, mm-hmm. and I was worried, oh, my gosh, all the pay records, everything, oh, all, yeah. all, everything's going to go to nothing happened. Yeah. And, the uh, biggest thing that happened that night is the girl that was with me, Jill, I'll, I'll just call her out because she's still to this day. It's funny. Oh, like okay. when I run into her, she would still apologize to me because I had a really nice pair of gargoyle sunglasses that oh, okay. I paid a lot of money for. <laughs> and I was wearing them when the, when the shift first started. But as soon as it got dark, I took them off and I just had her put them in the glove box. And then at some point she was closing the glove box and just obliterated these oh, sunglasses. Um, so it's funny because even after I saw her she years later, she's like, oh, I'm sorry about your sunglasses. <laughs> but the biggest thing I remember from that whole night, other than at midnight, you find a covered structure to park mm-hmm. under because people shoot in the air because they're idiots and those bullets come down somewhere. So we're going to make sure that for about the first half hour to 45 minutes, we're safe. And yeah. then the other thing is, and this goes to, uh, and Jerry Diaz, if you hear this, um, Jerry Diaz and I have an affinity for a Whataburger. I've heard that before. And when we went to the Whataburger down off of Valencia near 12th Ave, Jill Murphy and I I don't think I ate anything, but I asked them for a large chocolate milkshake. And in my mind, I'm thinking 24 ounce, 16 ounce, yeah. whatever. They gave me a 44 <laughs> ounce 
chocolate milk, a half a gallon oh my God. of chocolate milkshake. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember about that night. Parking somewhere safe, she broke my sunglasses, and I got a half a gallon of chocolate milkshake. <laughs> so that's your Y2K. That's my Y2K <laughs> experience. And yeah. and two inches on the waistline. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah, <clears throat> well, that and early onset diabetes. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, let's hope not. I tell you, you know, I uh, the only thing I do now is I I have my uh, I I, uh, uh, I go with Lon Bothworth and Dave, and I work every year two weeks at the gym show. Uh, work midnights. Oof. but it's fun. Yeah. I do it for fun and yeah, a little pocket change. The gym show in the city of Tucson, for anybody that's not from here, is a big deal, man. It oh, lasts basically deal. like the month of February, right? Yeah, and what I do is I do yeah. two weeks. I pull two weeks, make yeah. about uh, forty five hundred bucks. Yeah. And uh, it's a gym and mineral show, <clears throat> and all of these vendors come from around the world right. with rare gems, rare minerals. When you talk about like elephant tusks, ivory, like all kinds of weird, obscure. I call it stuff that the hotel and 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 commercial, um, I guess, designers will go by. Yeah, and it is a huge, huge money. Yeah, it brings a lot of money to the city oh, of Tucson, and they've done the gym show for years. And police officers will actually burn a couple of weeks of vacation to do that and work off duty at right. the gym show. And one of my sergeants from the sheriff's department, love the dude to death, uh, rest in peace, Louis Salika, he would take that time off and the money he made from the gem show was enough to pay for his daughter, Krista, for her uh, tuition, both at Sal Point and then when she went to the University of Arizona. Yeah. And, and so... Well, my uh, my first cousin, Roland, uh, Roland Youngling, uh, yeah. he uh, he still does it. And we, oh, wow. We all work it. I mean, we all work together. Yeah. And we've done it for years. Those people pay well because they don't want their stuff to get up and get legs in the middle of the night. Yeah. And the thing is... Uh, as things are progressing in my own mind, and I'm watching, I don't know that I'll do it anymore. I may yeah. do it one more you time. You ain't no spring chicken. Well, it's not that. I'm talking about legalities and things like uh, that. Should something happen, guess what? Yeah. Um, and in my mind, hey, ain't nobody, ain't nothing going downrange for a piece of property. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no way. You're not civil this service is protected. For me. This yeah. is for protect M me. And yeah. that's it. But anyway, it's still, it's a lot of fun. We have the camaraderie. We know what we're doing. Yeah. It's just a keynote. You know, we do the keynote thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, it's a lot of space and a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, I, we do do that. Now, there's one other, or two other things I wanted to do. I don't know yes, what sir. kind of time we got here. I don't know. You yeah. tell me. <laughs> when the conversation comes to a natural close, I guess we'll wrap this and put well, a nice little bow on it. Um, let's see. After that second uh, old fashioned, I'm feeling. Good. So you just keep telling stories. Oh no, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I got to drive. But oh, oh yeah. Speaking of tour to Tucson, it's happening today. It I is today. today. Yeah. And so again, for anybody that's not from Tucson, we have what they call the El Tour de Tucson, and essentially it's like a sixty mile bike ride, right? Yeah. Yeah, sixty mile bike race. So think of like the Boston Marathon or something like that. It's similar to that. Um, 
And if you ask me, I think the weather's perfect because it's kind of overcast. It rained a little this morning, so it's cool out. But I think the high today is going to be in the 60s. And you can do the grand, the big race, which is 62 miles, or there's a couple of smaller races for folks that aren't necessarily professionals. Um, But one of the things that we enjoy here in the state of Arizona, with the exception of a few rainy days and maybe some snow in February, professional bike riders can train here about 355 out of 365 days a year. That's about right. And so we have this race. It's a big, huge draw. It's a big moneymaker for the county. The problem for anybody that's local, like you, you, coming from the far east side and I'm on the far northwest side, is uh, I warned you in advance. Yeah, you did. You did. um, The El Tour has a tendency to shut down street-level traffic around town and cause major delays, major delays. And as a former cyclist, uh, I can appreciate that. So mm. I just very You in a cycle? <laughs> yeah, no. here we go. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm dying here. Big wheel? What yeah, are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, no. uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, I've never had a desire. I don't have any interest in it. I used yeah. to be a bike cop. Yeah, I know, I know how, you did. Yeah. I know how it feels to put in 50 miles on a bike. Yeah. No, I'm good. Well, it's, uh, yeah, after, yeah. yeah, me too, so am I. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have two of them hanging up for sale in my bedroom That's a right lot now. of time in the saddle. Yeah, and that saddle gets hard if you haven't done it in a while. Yes. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm looking back. It says, uh, it says here you had experiences of life changes, unexpected surprise or disappointment. Yes. Is there anything um, from your career that um, maybe changed Change you professionally, but also change you on a personal level. Um, I have here what I was thinking and, and to tell people and to tell uh, current and new new officers. Oh, there we go. What advice would you give to maybe a citizen that might be interested in law enforcement um, or even a rookie or even yourself as a rookie? Yeah. Be, uh, be cognizant of the fact that uh, you're going to change. You're going to change based on your experiences and the fact that uh, um, it's not Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Green Jeans. <laughs> the people out here... You're making sh- references that a lot of people may not even yeah, know yeah, what the hell you're yeah. talking about. Well, I'm just saying the people out here kind of suck sometimes, yeah. most of the time, when you are involved. Yeah. They not only suck, they can be really nasty and violent. Yeah. And... Don't take that away from your family and from your artistic abilities. Mm -hmm. Being macho destroys artistic abilities. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I paint and I do... I I do pen and ink, I do wallpapering, and I've written two books. Yes. And uh, I told a buddy of mine, spending 20-plus years in a profession that was highly analytical... I think stripped away some of the artistic part of the way my brain works. You know, when I was a kid, I used to write. I used to write poetry. I used to be in like choir and do a lot of those things. And then when you spend 20 plus years in such an analytical profession, you almost have to relearn that part of your brain like you're talking about. Relearn the the, the fact that uh, you are human and so is everyone else. And guess what? When I uh, went to the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. 
I was in Haiti and I was in charge of several people, like 250 people from the, from the United States. Uh, of that, some of the people were from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Then there was the Olympics in Atlanta and I got called and my former subordinates subordinates yeah. now are my boss yep. because I went to Atlanta and became and they became my boss yep. and I ended up having to do and to deal with the unbelievable influx of young people that were so wonderful yeah and to realize I needed that oh I needed that yeah because um they have an energy that we start uh, to lose. And yeah. they're good people. There yeah. are great people out there. There are wonderful people out there. And there are fucking idiots and yes. nuts out there. But yeah. guess what? The good do outweigh the, the bad. Yes. And so it's hard to see. Hard to see yeah. when when that's your job. Yeah. But when you back away from it, uh, remember that and yeah. uh, and understand that. Yeah, let the artistic person come back out. Yeah. Uh, I do the like I say. I do pen and ink. I do, uh, and I write books. And yeah. uh, and it's like I don't write police books yeah. like you did, beautifully done. Yeah, thank but, you. But I write books like, uh, well, my last one was Hartford City. Yes, uh, and Hartford City, a novel, and it's doing well. And uh, let's talk about all your books. So the first book you wrote and published was what? Ozzy's Boys. Ozzy's Boys. O Z Z I apostrophe S. Yes. And uh, that was a uh, that was a a, a thing to, with FBI and CIA, and mm-hmm. and it was a uh, kind, kind of, crime, of an action cr- novel, crime thriller, crime thriller. Yeah. And then um, Hartford City is uh, is a um, it's a murder mystery, mm-hmm. and it involves a lot of the technology and and the you know uh, uh, GP uh, anyway ground sensitive radar all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then um, now I'm still as I was two years ago. Two <laughs> years ago, <laughs> yeah, still writing uh, the Omega mystery, the yeah. myst- uh, mystery, which is about a fifty-one foot motor sailor catch. It's a sailboat, mm-hmm. and I'm about two-thirds through it, and it's been almost three years. So I don't know when I'll finish it, but I'm working on it. I'm loving it. Let me ask you this as a writer, because like I can't, I can't, I can't read books, because when I read, it's got to be really, really, really uh, compelling, right. or I get sleepy, and then I find myself reading the same thing over and over again. Sure. I love to listen like I have the the apps where I can listen to books. And when I listen to books, I can hear... It's funny because I listen to the story, but I also can kind of sense the strategy in in the way that the the writer is laying out sure. the story. Sure. And I can appreciate having... I can appreciate that having written a book. And so my question is, over the years and now having written two books and working on your third... Uh, do you find that you're fine-tuning your abilities as a writer and as a storyteller when you're writing? Um, short answer, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have... Um, I go months without a sentence. Yeah. Then I go a week with 40 pages. Yeah. The only thing I can attribute that to, Brian, is the fact that 
subconsciously bourbon. This do I'm, it. Kidding. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Subconsciously bourbon is the reason that I am existing. No, no. subconsciously, um, my mind is working. Yeah, overtime, and I don't know it. Yeah, I'm con- I'm confounded by what's going to happen next. Now I told you early on, when I write a book, it's like uh, driving with your headlights on high beam. Uh, you only go as far as the light shows you. Yeah. Some people, oh, I've got this, uh, I've got a, a complete analytic, analy- uh, analyzing yeah. uh, outline. I've got all yeah. I've got, no, I've got an idea. I know I love sailing. Mm-hmm. I love and know about sailing. I enjoy sailing. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to write a book about sailing. Yeah. And here we go. Yeah. And that's the way it started. Yeah, of course, that's how it's I been write. two and a half years ago, yeah. Yeah. but uh, but it's it's working. It's a lot working. of these professionals, and I've listened to interviews with with uh, like New York bestsellers, and they'll say that they just have to sit down and they schedule like an hour or two or whatever every single day. And maybe what you put to paper is garbage, right. but you have to flex that muscle and you have to work your mind in that way. And I was going to say this because you're saying I put pen to paper mm-hmm. and I love that because what I've described to people, and I don't know why my brain works this way, <laughs> but if I'm at work or if I'm here with you, right, all of my handwriting is in print Capital letter, like we used to write our case reports yeah, back in the day. Right, right. When I sit down to write in an artistic way, if I've got an idea about a story or I'm thinking about something, cursive. I write in, or if I'm journaling for my own personal journaling, like a diary kind of thing, cursive. in cursive. Right. It is the wildest thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I'm I sure that know. there's probably some brain, yeah. your medical doctor that could explain Left that. Left brain, light, right brain, right. middle brain. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that uh, as a cop, as a retired cop, yeah, with all these macho bullshit <laughs> stories you've yeah. got, yeah, embrace those, but embrace your sensitivity and your creativity right. and your ability to to be gentle and kind right. because I'll tell you uh, two marriages suffered from me yeah. not from being not gentle and kind but from me not being at all being present I was gone yeah yeah and my because this job is very addicting and oh it can suck God. you in and everything else unfortunately be damned well, you know, and we used to have go bags. I mean, my go bag was in the in my cruiser, yeah. And I, with, especially when I was with narcotics and DEA, I was running and gunning. Yeah, I was on top. Didn't know when you would ever come back. I had a woman in my couch in my living room, and had to get up and leave and say goodbye. And I was gone for three days. Never saw her again. So how's that tell you? And I was in my twenties. So I mean, I'm in the late twenties, early thirties, but it was yeah. like, damn. What the hell happened there? The point is, I had to go to the mountains of Virginia and sit on a three-day, cold, wintry stakeout where you yeah. couldn't run your cruiser mm-hmm. because your cruiser emanated exhaust. the smoke and the exhaust. Yeah. And I had three days of a PCP lab to wait, and then we hit it. Yeah. Um, but that happened, boom, phone call. Yeah. That was it. And... Uh, but I, anybody I'm that using that in, as an example. Yeah, anybody I, that lives in a normal world doesn't want to wait for you, wait around for you to come back. 
No. They don't even know if you're coming exactly. back. Exactly. And yeah. guess what? <laughs> but that might have been a great thing, too. But uh, <laughs> the, point, the point is this. Uh, it's uh, just uh, the way it is. And, uh, and understand that, uh, that there are great people out there. And in my experience, after all these years, mm-hmm. uh, to know TPD retirees uh, with... Uh, with the Pima County sheriffs, the uh, the friends that I've I've garnered over the years, I can't ask for a better, I mean, group of guys and and girls in my life. Let me ask you this: Where can and this is your opportunity, and this is why another reason, many of reasons why I do this podcast. If someone's looking for the books that you mentioned, yeah, Ozzy's Boys, and then also Hartford City, where are they going to find those? I hate to say this because uh, they they've lowered the price, <laughs> but, but but and you Am- and I both know that if your book is ten dollars, you're getting about two of that. Yeah, you and Amazon dot com. Yes. Uh, G S G. See, that's another part hard to get. G S G. G S Youngling or Ozzy's Boys. O Z Z I apostrophe S or uh, Hartford City. Mm-hmm. Or actually, if you just go Gary Youngling and work your way down, you'll get to it. Yeah. Anyway, that's your the books best are on Amazon dot com. They're on Amazon. Mm-hmm. They're in Walmart. They're in. Uh, they're at uh, uh, Target. They're in all the libraries. Barnes in and Tucson. Noble. Barnes and Noble. Yes. Oh yeah. And uh, you can get them in all those locations. But the cheapest is Amazon. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that's okay. Yeah. That's what I joked around. People are like, dude, did you make a million dollars off your book? No, no, no because you I made listed it, 50. I made it, I listed it for fourteen ninety nine, And once everybody gets their cut, I'll get maybe $6, maybe $3. It depends, you know? And, yeah. and again, for me, it never was about making money. Even with the podcast, people are like, no. Hey, so what are you going to do with this? Are you going to like, uh, you're going to get some marketing or what do you, you know? Well, if that happens, I will certainly embrace it. But the goal for me was, first of all, to hang out with cool people. Secondly, hang out and tell cool stories with cool people. Cool. And also, by the way, if they have their own independent business or if they if they wrote books or whatever, I'm going to give them an opportunity to give themselves a big, fat, shameless plug. Because mm-hmm. as a writer and as an author, I understood that writing the book was difficult. The marketing and the used car salesmanship of trying to get the word out is do. even worse. Yeah. You know, and then the other thing that I never anticipated with the podcast, but I've absolutely embraced is a lot of my guests talk about the different therapies that they've gone through, the different organizations that they work with that are either no cost or low cost that a first responder or a military veteran can go to today, right now, and get help with PTSD and the weight of the things that they dealt with. And And so those are all of the things that I want to shine a light on. And if I end up getting some kind of sponsorship or whatever... Great. Like I said, I'll embrace it. But the point was just to share stories and also, by the way, share your business or your whatever it is you're doing. And also, if there's an organization that helps you with the things that you still struggle with, let's talk about that and normalize that. Well, you know, um, my biggest thing, of course, has been Vail Christian Church for me. It's been great. Um, Which is where we met. Which is where we met. And uh, I would say also, uh, you had, what was his guess with? Trot, Arizona? Yeah, that was Jeff Kopfer. Jeff. Yes. I listened to that. I yes. said, man, that's a great, uh, I mean, because it's because I've 
And the thing is, because I used to be, used to be yeah. a cyclist, I would go all over the state. I learned every street in this town. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. I, I'd have people say, where'd you go? And they'd go, you rode through that fucking neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I did. It was 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning on Sunday, but I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. What are they going to do with a guy in Lycra and a bike? You know, I mean, Lycra. Uh, well, I mean, whatever spandex, they call it, spandex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah whatever. You're you know. dating yourself. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that does happen occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway, but, but Jeff Kopfer, uh, fantastic, fantastic dude. And you know, of all of the different practices that I was exposed to at the Boulder Crest Camp, equine therapy is not my thing. Big right. animals like that do make me nervous, right. but I'm glad to have had the experience. And here's Jeff, and this is what he does, man. I think he, it's great. Yeah. You want to, if going out and touching a horse, and and the thing about horses, and I'll just mention it again for anybody They look through listening. you. They look through you. Yes. And the thing is, is that they feel your energy energy before you even step into the rink yeah. with them. Yeah. So you really do have to be mindful and slough off anything making you anxious, yeah. anything making you sad and depressed, anything making you angry, even anything that might be making you excited or happy. You really have to leave all that stuff at the gate so that you can just go out and be present right. in the moment right. with that animal. And that's why, scientifically, there's probably a brain surgeon or somebody somewhere that can explain that. Yeah, that's, But I'm telling you, when yeah. you walk in there and you put your hand on the neck of a horse that's it and it's just you and them in that moment mm -hmm. it's there's something that's therapeutic about it and that's what he does and that's what he provides and um it was absolutely again my honor to have him come on and talk about his fantastic career both in oh, the yeah. air force and as a pima county sheriff right but what he's doing now you know well i've like i said i've i've I would never take a, a, a second back from yeah. the worst times I had on the police department. Yeah. Because I used to tell my rookies, hey, this too shall pass. You're going to work right. 8 or 10 or 15 or whatever hours, but it will pass. Yeah. It'll be over with. Yeah. Um, and that's we, the thing. As much as we complain, it <sighs> was just as equally a badge of honor. It was. Yeah. And it is. And uh, But uh, I didn't get to a third of what I wanted to say, but that's enough because <laughs> I said too much. But right. I, I got to tell you, it was uh, a pleasure doing this. Yes, and sir. Uh, And I've had a great time. I've met some amazing people. Uh, TPD um, is, is, is a, a tremendous outfit. They, they've yeah. done everything right. I mean, as far as I'm, who am I to say what's right or wrong? But they've done everything right, and um, uh, and uh, and I have enjoyed their uh, the retirement communities. Uh, yeah. But I've got a couple friends that are still on and active with TPD and with the uh, Pima sheriffs. Yeah. But uh, it's not that I I don't go after that group. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy the group. Yes. But like I said, I have my Santa Catalina Volunteer Patrol. In that patrol, I'm a member, or was a member of the board. I've just left after eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, do not ever be the president of your homeowners association. I'm also <laughs> celebrating eight years of that crap. Eight years sober. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh. but with the, 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 the uh, U.S. Forest Service group, I've got doctors, lawyers. I mean, in the board of directors, we have like seven physicians. Yeah. I mean... So it's an amazing, uh, eclectic group of, of people. Yeah. 
And uh, and I would suggest, as a retired cop, get out there and yes. be part of a different eclectic group. Yeah. Social Enjoy groups. yourself. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you'll be reminded. Oh my God. I don't do not talk politics. That's the second advice. Yeah. Do not yeah. talk politics. That is great advice considering that we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't talk politics because yeah. one, I used to be right of center. Center is so far left now, I don't even go there. Yeah. So I just don't talk it. I just say, hey, you know, fine. If it's something I disagree with, I just walk away because there's no, you're not going to change what yeah. took a lifetime to get to. Yep. So just leave it alone. Yeah. Well, what I would like to say before we wrap this up, and maybe this is the bow that we put on this thing, is that, um, again, when I first had the idea and the inclination to start this, I just thought I was going to have cool people come over to my house and tell cool stories. And it just so happened that Gary Youngling, <laughs> cancer survivor, Fairfax County retired, world traveler, Ugly. Was <laughs> ugly. <laughs> was my very first guest, and I would have to, I would be amiss if I didn't at least give you some credit for helping me get this mother off the ground. <laughs> well, if I have any any advice to give you, yes, sir, is to continue what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Open it up to law enforcement nationwide. These guys will love to come see you. And there's stories out there so buried deeply that need to be out there. Come on, guys, gals. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know. I mean, I, yeah. I think if, if I can I, do it here in my living room or my front office, absolutely. Well, yeah, but so like Stacy Goodman. I mean, her story yes. is phenomenal. I'm trying to avoid going to Zoom or telephone only because I think a yeah. huge part of the podcast for me and even for my guest is sitting across it, the table from each one other. One on one, you're right. And so I think that at some point, and I'll have to figure out that technology piece of it. At some point, I will have to do that. But right now, I've been very fortunate. And it is localized. I would love to have it on a more national basis. Um, but I love the back and forth. And oh, I yeah. love being in the same room with my guest and and uh, not having to be reliant on their technology and their phone and their, you know what I mean, and their Wi-Fi oh, yeah. connection. Absolutely. And so, um, but yeah, at some point that'll have to happen, I would imagine. So, so anyway, I talked to Paul yesterday and told him I was coming. Paul Dietzel. Yeah, of course. Yes, Paul. sir. And I even even complimented on his ability to speak, and I love the guy. He well, is he doesn't so, lack there. He uh, he and he's so articulate. He's amazing. <laughs> well, and I did you hear me say that he's the worst kind of dinosaur? No, he's a thesaurus. <laughs> well, he is that. Yes. So, uh, uh, but anyway, yes. Thank you so much, Brian. I think we're about ready to wrap it up. I think the, so. And Tour de France should be oh, uh, Tour de Tucson should be over. <laughs> Tour de France. You might have to hang out for a little bit longer after finishing that old-fashioned, though. Yeah, but that was only one. Oh, yeah. maybe No, it was two. One and a half. There we go. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. Okay. I appreciate your time. Thank you, buddy. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Well, there you go. That's Gary Youngling from November 3rd of 2021 to November 18th of 2023. Uh, he is the uh, the gentleman that helped me get this whole thing started, and I'm so appreciative uh, of his time, of his friendship, 
and I'm glad you guys were able to uh, hear from him again. Uh, please go look on Amazon for his books. Uh, help support him in his endeavors uh, post-retirement. But thank you all so much. And as always, be careful. Be safe out there. Reach out to your friends if they cross your mind. And um, we'll see you guys next week.